was watching Yala this morning, just cuddled up with Sasa. Just mm, she's not a big cuddler. She doesn't do that a lot. But you know, sometimes you come to a place where you just need to be held. You know, I could. I was watching Yala this morning. I was like, oh, she just needs to be. She just wants to be held this morning. Those moments don't come by very often with Ella, but it's like I was thinking about it. I was remembering a moment. Like I have a picture where uh, it was actually when we were engaged and Lila was coming, going back to Australia and I was staying and we were saying goodbye at the airport. And it was really weird. A whole bunch of our friends and people came with us to the airport to see Lila off. And and uh, I, th- I thought I was fine. Then I said goodbye and I was watching Lila walk away and I felt really sad and I started crime one of um this uh man just who was just a beautiful man in my life came up and he just like just gave me this big bear hug and he just held me like for a awkwardly prolonged time in the middle of the airport while I was crying but it was just like I just wanted to be held you know and I was just thinking this morning as we're singing this you know beautiful one that I love beautiful one that I adore I was just just feeling this just like like, it's okay to be in a place where we feel like we just need to be held. You know, it's like, oh, I don't always live there, but but that's a, it's a good thing to know um, uh, the holding nature of our God, you know? He's not just there for the good days or for the times where we feel like we have something to offer, for the space where we feel like we're on top of it. Actually, I have in God one who holds me. You know, he just envelops me and pulls me close. And yeah, yeah. Anyway. Mm. Let's see, see how we go here. <clears throat> we sort of, sort of been sequencing through December. We sort of were talking the first week of the month about this idea of a we need a revelation of Jesus in Christmas. You know, we need we need a revelation of what this means to God, what this is. What was this? What was this moment? What did this change? It's like, you know, we're so familiar with our faith, we're so familiar with our story. It just it's almost like uh, it's almost like we need to be awakened again to the story that we find ourselves in and to what this means for us, you know, like yeah, mistletoe and holly and Christmas trees and presents. Get out of the way. Just just get out of the way for a minute because Jesus is at the center of this somehow. Yeah, and I really felt for myself like I, I needed um, Christmas to be a worshipful reminder of the goodness of my God. And I needed Christmas to kind of pull me into the story that I find myself in. Um, so then the next week we talked about, um, that, that was last week, we talked about, um, you know, Christmas being this moment of the king has come. People were waiting for a big change, for a big rescue, for a big, for a savior, for a Messiah, you know, oppressed and imprisoned people who had been troubled and who had been uh, displaced and who were weak in the world's eyes and who had nothing, had one thing. They had hope that the Messiah would come, that their king would come and that he would rule and he would reign and he would create a new, you know, the governments would rest on his shoulders, all the nations would bow down and worship him. Like these are the things that were believed. And, you know, Christmas is that moment. The king came, God incarnate came, took up human form and came to rule on earth, came to establish a new rule, came to save his people, came to to make a new way. Well, we know, you know, the, the, the purpose and plan of Jesus' life, and we know, um, 
yeah, that God coming. I think we just get used to this story, you know? I mean, the way in which he came, you know, as a human, as a baby, subject to that which he created, that's a big, big deal. That's a big trust. Like that God would take his presence and the fullness of the one who created and he would subject himself to that which he breathed into being. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird thing, you know? It's sort of like, I don't know, uh, building a Lego house and becoming a block. You know, like, I don't know, like, just, I, anyway. Anyway, talked about the king has come. You know that we have a king who came and we can give him his place. We can make him king. We, you know, we make, you know, Jesus a lot of things. He's our friend. He's our, our brother. He's, you know, he's lots of things, but he's king, you know, and he desires rule. He desires, a, you know, honor. He desires to be glorified. And when we do that, something shifts and something changes. My life comes into its right place when I make him king. And the king came so that he could establish a kingdom and so that he could have rule so that people would be his. And that's, uh, you know, that's the place we find ourselves. And then this week, uh, I, I felt like the two things that came to me as my Christmas revelations, where we started, was uh, the king has come and the king is coming. You know, two really simple phrases. And this week, I just want to talk for a minute, just reflect for a minute on the king is coming. You know, um... I know king's a hard word for us to get our head around. Uh, but, you know, do we live with a belief or an expectancy or a place in the story we find ourselves that says the king is coming? Just stop and think about that for a minute. Like, you know, what, what does that elicit in thought or emotion what does it cause you to consider or what does it cause you to feel to go? The king is coming. The king is coming. You know, what are, what, are, what are some of the first things that come to you as you sort of, you know, reflect on that? Or we can just talk out in the room. That's all good. We don't have to jump on a mic. But it's like, what, what's the first things that sort of ping to you? Is it relevant? Is it irrelevant? Do you have a place for that? Does that sound like, oh, gee, oh, weird thought? You know, where, where does it sit for you? What, what comes to mind as you think about that idea? In light of Christmas, in light of this story where God came, you know, it's like, but, but he's still coming. You know, the king will come. What do we think? What thoughts do we have? Yeah. 
thoughts, feelings, reactions, you know, first things that kind of ping to us in that statement. The king is coming. Does it feel like a reach? Is it like a reach to make that? When I think of a king, I think of a of a leader, the, the the best leader, obviously. It's not only judges, but also has mercy. Yeah. The fair king, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and there couldn't be, I guess, you know, it does feel abstract and it does feel very distant. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it feels very close as well. Mm. Especially, you know, someone you would want to look up to and imitate. Yeah. So it's always there. Yeah, I, guess. I think that's a good way of putting it, Steve. Like, it's a bit abstract and distant, or it's easy to leave, it's easy to park it there, or it is for me at least. Yeah. 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 Anybody else? Any thoughts or things that kind of ping or rise up for us in that statement? Uh, I was sort of on the same thought track as what Curtis was saying about um, will, will we be ready? But then I thought, oh, like, what, what would it be to be ready? And I think that could lead me to fearful thoughts, like would I be acceptable in the moment? Um, uh, but I think... Uh, yeah, I just have to remember that, like, he, it's about him. Like, he is good enough. Like, I don't have to be good enough. And so I think being ready isn't being good enough or coming to a place where I am anything. Like, it's just having learned that I can rely on him and that he is full of grace. Yeah. Um, like, I think when he comes, like, we'll, I, in some way, I think, like, we'll see his goodness, I guess, because he's just so perfect and good. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so just just remembering that I get to rely on that, not my mm. own ability to be good. Yeah. I think it's a really good question or it's a really good like place to start. It's like, what does, what does being ready look like? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I think like if readiness looks like uh, completeness or righteousness, well then, 
you know, you know, this crew will be left behind. <laughs> Mel, Mel liked that. <laughs> Mel appreciated that. All right. But I'm not sure that that's what it is, but I think there is still a readiness that's required. Um, you know, Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 to 44, he says, so be alert, give be alert, give strict attention, be cautious and active in faith. For you do not know which day, whether near or far, your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the head of the house had known what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on alert and would have not allowed its house to be broken into. Therefore, you who follow me must also be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect him. He said, you got to be ready. You don't know when this is happening. You know, this, is, this, is, this is that picture. It will come like a thief in the night. He says, oh, if, if you knew... When the thief was coming, will you be ready? You call the cops, you say, could you be here at nine o'clock to deal with the person who's going to come break into my house and all will be well and all will be fine. He says, well, that's not how it happens. This is going to surprise you. You're not going to be expecting this. This is going to come in a way and in a form that you, 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 you must be ready. You must be prepared. And it's like, what does that look like? Okay, well, we could pick up fear in that and go, yeah, and we do in this idea. You know, sometimes we steer clear of this idea of the king is coming because it's like, oh, shoot, I'm going to get in trouble. The principal's coming. The boss is coming. Oh, the bullshit. Oh, shoot, oh, better get the, oh, did I, did I do it all right? Did I get it all sorted? Did I get it all done? You can't, but we, what does it look like to live ready? Well, he says it here. Be alert. You have attention. Be cautious. Active in your faith. Yeah, and I think really like there, you know, I mean, for me, one of the things that's been a bit of a litmus in my journey has been, if Jesus came back today, am I living a set of tools that would receive him? But just think about this, because we do, we leave this abstract in distance. Jesus has returned on earth. Let's just say, and you know, however it comes about, come in the clouds, you know, there's lots of pictures that we have of this. However, it practically happens. I can tell you for sure that, you know, even though there were prophecies about it and things that spoke to the way that it came, people didn't expect Jesus to come the way he came and as a baby and to the people he came to in the form he did at the in the way he did or to execute his life in the way he did. It was unexpected. And so, well, let's just go, you know, God likes to mess around with us a little bit and he comes kind of like maybe not how you think he's gonna, right? But I mean, we do have pictures of this. And so he comes and he comes by the clouds and Jesus has returned. Is he gonna be on the news? Is he gonna be in the Christian magazine? Is he gonna have a blog? Is he gonna have a Facebook page? Is it gonna be at a is it going to be at a revival meeting? Is it going to be, where is it? How is it? What's it going to look like? And, will you, what, and what will you say? How will you respond to him? You know, what, what tools are you living by that, that a man has returned to earth claiming to be the son of God? How will you process that? How will you determine it? How would you respond to it? Are you likely to reject it? Are you likely to receive it? Or what, what, what? You don't think about it practical terms. In practical terms, what tools am I living by today that have me ready that if Jesus Christ returned today, there is something I could draw upon that would confess to the truth of who he is? Because if we wait for that moment to convince us of Jesus, we'll be left behind, not to quote the book series. But you will reject him. You know, and I mean, what I think we have to remember is First Thessalonians talks about the great apostasy, that as we approach the coming day, that tons of people will leave the faith. Well, why? What will cause that? What is the faith? 
Just is that church attendance? Is it a is it is it bearing a title that says I'm Christian? Like what makes me ready? What what has me holding to and living by the faith? that has me ready, that has me prepared, that has me a receiver of Christ and has me anticipating his coming, not with fear, but with expectancy that says, my king has come. My king has come. He's here. He's here. We made it. He did it. He accomplished it. We don't don't have to fear that coming day. That's a day of expectation. The people of God who have come to know God go, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. It's going to be okay. He's coming. Like, can we... Like, can we relate to that? He's coming. He's coming. He is coming. Like, let's let that be a, an, a, a good thing. Let's get to know him in a way that goes, hey, hey, there's a hope in this story that says he's coming. He's coming. Have you heard he's coming? Do you remember what it was like as a kid? Like when someone you really, really liked was coming over, maybe like a distant relative or something. It's like, oh, grandma's coming. Annie Roche is coming. You know, do you remember what it's like? He's coming. He's coming. Can we let an expectancy build for it? He came. That's what Christmas is about. But let's be reminded, it's not over there. He's coming. He's coming for a people who would be ready. He's coming for a people who would take faith. He's coming for a people who would say it doesn't have to be easy or simple or feel good or be really, really delightful. You just got to come. We'll hang on. We'll be here. We'll be ready. We'll practice tools that say we're your people. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it means. We'll be ready. We'll be expecting you. We'll be here and we'll say, we knew he was coming. We knew it. We're not surprised by this. You told us and we believe what you say. We know that we've come to find a God whose promises are good. We know we've come to find a God who is grace-filled and who accomplishes what he said he will, who brings it to fruition. We are not a group of people who wait for a victory to come to celebrate who our God is. We are a people who have come to say, no, no, no. We are bringing the experience of our life into subjection of his truth. He's coming. He has nothing to prove to me. His promises are sure. He's coming. Have you heard? He's coming. He's coming. You know, it's like, let's let Christmas remind us. He came and he promised he would come again. And that the entire world would be changed. That's who we serve. It's not messing around. This is not not fairy tale business. This is not religion. This is not a story to be forgotten. What will it be like when God comes again, when the presence of Jesus rules on earth as he said he would? The king is coming. The king is coming. Oh, let our hearts burn with a desire to see him come. Won't that bring him? Won't that bring him? that the people of God would anticipate and wait upon him. It's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to hold in our hearts. Didn't you know he's coming? Didn't you know he's coming? Let it build in faith that we know that our God is coming, that this is temporary, that this will all change. Let us focus our eyes on the truth of our faith that says, my God will accomplish, hey, all this stuff that sits outside of that, there's a million things that tell you it's not worth it. It's too hard. You know, let's, I feel like, I feel like I need to get carried away. I'm just going to sit up here and just keep saying he's coming. We need something more. Maybe we don't. But I'm becoming convinced of it. And I'm not, I'm not saying I always have been. But something this Christmas is taking hold in my heart that says, my king came and my king will come again. 
I want the faith to be alive in my heart that expects it and anticipates it and is sure of it and hopes upon it and readies us for it. Let's let that be our, our heart's cry. All right. Hebrews offers us this incredible encouragement to this end. You know, and if we could sit here and just read Hebrews chapter 9, 10, 11, and 12, that would probably be more with our time than me just sitting up here. But I'm, I'm going to just grab a few little highlights, but I'm going to go, look, if you're looking for a, how do I be ready? This section of scripture is so helpful to us. Hey, this is what it's going to look like. This is what you're going to face. This is what you're going to need to do. This is how you should relate to God. This is how you should relate to each other. This is what you should hold on to. This is the truth. That's not too good to be true. Actually, this is what he said. Actually, here's some quotes from the Old Testament. This is a pretty helpful little package of, of teaching in those four, four chapters. Well, let's hit a few high points. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, I'm going to be expedient. It says, so Christ, having been offered once and once for all, to bear as a burden the sins of many will appear a second time. And when he, re when he returns to earth, not to deal with sin, not to come and check out your sinfulness or your absence thereof, but to bring salvation to those who are eagerly and confidently waiting for him. He's coming, not to check out your sinfulness. He's coming searching for those whose hearts are eagerly waiting and expecting him. Okay, so, so that's your first key. He's going to come and save those who are expecting him to come, who are waiting for it, who are going, there's something in my spirit that says this is the truth because he said it was the truth. Okay, keep moving. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 to, to 39. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence for it has a glorious and great reward. What a great statement. Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it has a glorious and great re reward, for you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising, so that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full what is promised. I mean, this is a reality check, right? In this process, you know, why is there a great apostasy? First Thessalonians talks about, oh, a whole pack of people are going to leave the faith. Well, why? Well, because it's hard to hang on for the final countdown, you know? When he comes, it's everything that can come against an eager expectation that Christ will come, that he'll rescue his people, will come against him. He'll go, oh, it's not true. Oh, this is a false story. Oh, there's no power in this. Oh, it's not really like that anyway, is it? Oh, actually, we don't really need Jesus, do we? Actually, you know what? What? Nah. Nah. Or maybe the church will be full of people like that. Or maybe people will bail out on church because church is speaking the truth of that. I'm not too sure. But it's like this is saying there's going to be some challenging circumstances. Oh, well, that's why people are going to leave. Because actually there's going to be some challenges. going to need to be stand up under some trial, to be uncompromising, to hang on, to hold on, to eagerly expect regardless of what I feel. You know, this is not going to be confirmed in your feelings. You're going to live there going, I feel so amazing. Is Jesus going to return? No, you're probably going to feel like giving up. This is the reality of this. There will be no greater moment that you feel like giving up on your faith than, than, than the closest moment where Jesus returns. Why? Because everything that can come against your eager expectation will. Everything that can come against the promise and fulfillment of God will. It's like, okay, 
So we need to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising. When we carry out the will of God, we'll receive and enjoy to the full what's been promised. That's his return. That's life with him. It says, quoting Old Testament, for, for yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one, the one justified by faith, shall live by faith, respecting man's relationship to God and trusting him. And if he draws back, shrinking in fear, my soul has no delight in him. But our way is not that of those who shrink back to destruction, but we are those who believe, relying on God through faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and by this confident faith, preserve the soul. He's coming. He's coming for those who say, I'm not going to shrink back. I'm going to live by faith. Faith is the key to the, to the release of eager expectation that we're not going to shrink back in fear, that we're not going to back off of the faith which we've been given. We're going to confidently say our God is who he said he would. We're not going to ask the experience of our life to confirm it. We're not going to ask whatever's happening in this particular moment. What a beautiful truth. I feel like it's landed so deeply for me out of this simple story that Bill Johnson told you know, about the, the passing of his wife. I shared it here before. You know, it was this truth where he's saying, you know, we are not demanding. He said, even, even faithless people will praise God in a moment of victory. It takes no faith to praise God in a moment of victory. And, and then one of the examples he gives is he says, you know, the people have waited 10 years to have a baby. It's easy to praise God when you get pregnant. I was like, oh, well, amen. This is... It's so easy in moments of victory to say, my God is who he said he would. And he said, that takes no faith at all. He said, what takes faith is when you're not seeing the reality of God in your experience. Then you hold to faith. And he said, we are not a people who demand our experience to confirm who God is. We hold our experience to account to the truth that God's given us of his nature. And the story he tells is in the moment where his wife passes away from a cancer that they'd seen healed hundreds of times. He said, in that moment, in the moment of her passing, we stopped in that room and we worshiped God as healer. Not because he healed, but because we pronounced in that moment who God is, even though our experience didn't confirm it. What a beautiful picture of what we're going to need to get there. That's faith. That's eager expectation. That's hold to your faith. Don't demand your experience so that you can praise the victory. Hold in faith to who God said he was, and you will see it. It's like, oh, man, that is such a good correction, isn't it? It's such permission to go. It doesn't have to feel like a victory today to hold fast to the truth that my God heals, my God restores, my God delivers, my God redeems. We wait in eager expectation for healing, delivery, redemption, and it will be complete. And we hold to faith until its completion. Ah, this is what it looks like to eagerly wait, that we would hold to a faith that says, it's not finished, but that's okay. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He carries on. In Hebrews 11, 1 to 2, you know, when you put it in context that this whole passage, and you'll have heard some of these verses so many times, he's talking about Jesus' return. The whole of this passage in Hebrews that's teaching on faith and the people of faith is talking about the fact that Christ is coming back. That's the context of it. I, I missed this until this Christmas. I missed this. He says, now faith is the assurance, title deed and confirmation of things hoped for and divinely guaranteed 
and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses, for by this kind of faith the men of old gain divine approval. And now, now we know in Hebrews chapter 11, we go through, and then there was Enoch who you know, got rescued, and there was Noah, and he did this, and there was Abraham, and he did this, and there was you know, blah, 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 all, all these amazing stories. Go read it, and you need to read it. Read these four passages, these four chapters this week. But in the middle of that, he says in Hebrews chapter 11, 6, but without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. Forever who comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Faith holds to the fact that God will reward us, regardless of whether that reward is in hand or seems a million miles away. Faith holds to, to the fact that he will reward those who seek him, who stick with him. Faith accomplishes that. He carries on. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, all these people who have lived by faith and didn't see its accomplishment, didn't see its accomplishment in their lifetime. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing on the eyes of Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. You know, he's saying like in this eager expectation that he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, throw off sin, throw off distraction, get these things as far from us as we can, be faith-filled, faith-minded people that go, he's coming and I will be ready, I will be looking to him, I'll be waiting, I'm not going to disconnect, I'm not going to give my life to the things of this world, I'm not going to pursue my satisfaction in something else, because the king is coming, haven't you heard? He's coming. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be expecting it. I'm going to be found in faith. And anything that pulls me from a faith-filled reality is on notice. I'm stripping it off. I'm stripping it off because I want to finish this race. I want to see him come. I want to be there. I want to be found among his people who are eagerly expecting the return of my God because he's coming. The king is coming. Hebrews chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 12 says, So then... You know, as he's moving through this thing, doesn't the God discipline his children? Doesn't he help us? Doesn't he correct us? You know, all this is so helpful when we put it in context of this. How do we be ready? Hebrews 9, 10, 11, 12. It's got some major keys in it for us. But he goes on to say, So then, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that tremble. Cut through and make smooth, straight paths for your feet that are safe to go in the right direction so that the leg which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather may be healed. I just feel like we need that prayer over our church today. Strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that tremble. Oh God, let us not weary of this faith which you've called us to. Let us not let go with weak hands and tired knees from the journey of following after you. Let us not grow tired and weary of standing in faith and trusting that the King is coming, that you are coming, you are coming. Strengthen us again, strengthen us again and blow hope into our hearts and faith into our spirit that we would be those who are found standing. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we are trembly hands, weak knees. I can relate to that. I said to Leela last night, whoa, 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 whoa. I just, I'm really vulnerable tonight. 
I feel really vulnerable tonight. I just processing things or talking about things. I don't think I got it in me. I feel a bit weak. I feel a bit vulnerable. I feel like I'm at risk right here of agreeing with discouragement or defeat or something. You know, can you feel it? Can you feel when your hands get weak and your knees get trembly? It's like, oh, no, 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 no. I think, no, 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 no. I just, I got to trust tonight. I just, I just got to go, Jesus, strengthen me again. I don't want to agree with things that cause me to give up. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, I can feel, I can feel, I want to, I just want to be defeated for a minute. No, 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 no. Strengthen myself again in his spirit. Oh, Jesus, I know I don't feel it today. I don't feel it today. I don't feel your power today. I don't feel your goodness today. I don't feel your coming in this moment, but I know you are. I know you are. I'm not waiting for this to be confirmed in my emotions or in my body. My spirit says, this is the one thing that I can trust you. I will trust you. I will trust you. Faith is going to expect that my God will act. My God will see through. My God will complete. All right. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25 to 29. This is, we've preached this verse. I think I've at least preached it three times here. But it's like in context of this, it's like new meaning. It says, see to it that you do not refuse to listen to him who is speaking to you now. For if those sons of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to him who warned them on earth, revealing God's will, how much less will we escape if we turn our backs on him who warns from heaven? His voice shook the earth at Mount Sinai then, but now he has given a promise saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the starry heaven. Now this expression yet once more indicates the removal and the final transformation of all those things which can be shaken, that is of that which has been created so that those things which cannot be shaken remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude and offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is indeed a consuming fire. Let's listen to him, heed his word. Let's be those who are receiving the unshakable kingdom. He's going to shake it all. It's all shaking. Everything that's been created is going to be unreliable, inconsistent, unsatisfying, because it's shaking that we would be those who receive the unshakable kingdom. This is his coming. This is his promise that those who put their faith in him will be found in this kingdom of light and life. Our king is coming. It's going to shake everything. It's going to shake everything. We'll be those who are found standing in all that's shaking around us because we've grown a faith that says we trust you. Oh, what an invitation. What an invitation. You know, Curtis, Curtis was saying sometime this morning, and I called him this morning. This is a Sunday morning routine. Paper, rock, scissors for who got up earliest and got the best Jesus stuff. It's a competition. Yeah, Ben suggested that we should turn Curtis into a commission-based KPI employee, where you know if the spirit moves or if miracles happen, he he he, he gets bonuses, and if it doesn't, then he goes home empty-handed. I thought that's interesting. I thought that's an interesting model. I thought, yeah, we'll think about that. I appreciated it. <laughs> anyway, he got got the goods this morning. So good that he's not on commission, but. Anyway, Curtis said, oh, I woke up this morning and felt like I was just saying to me to make a way. You know, been, I spent this morning thinking about, you know, this idea of the king is coming. 
You know, and then God speaking to Curtis about making a way. Make a way for the king. Like, what if we can? You know, what if, what if our faith makes a way for him? You know, what if a piece of this puzzle is he's waiting for a group of people who would, not just this group of people, I, mean, I don't mean specifically, it's on us, it's on this church to bring Jesus to earth. But what if we believe that we can make a way for him? That our faith and our belief and our trust in him makes a way for his coming. You know, it's, it's, it's quoted from the Old Testament, but it says in Mark 1, Verse 2, you know, it's talking about John the Baptist. But as is it written, for remember, and forever remains in the writings of the prophet Isaiah, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. You know, when I think about that, am I throwing up things in my life that are creating barricades to his way? You know, or am I focused on a king who's coming and have partnered with a faith that makes way and prepares for him? Oh, that you would come. Make a way. Make a way for the king. You know, what a beautiful invitation. You know, that not only are we those who are called to, to be ready and to be, pre to be prepared for his coming, to be expecting and anticipating and waiting for it in faith, we also can prepare a way for his coming. Oh, God, that we would have the tools we need, that we would have a faith present, that we would be those who are expecting, that we would be those who are receiving the unshakable kingdom, that we would be those who are trusting what you've said and know the story that you've given us, who have taken up our place in it and recognize that here we are, the people of God, making a way for his coming. That's a, that's a prayer. That's a prayer. If the heart of God is saying, make a way for me. You know, and for Curtis, he said, I just feel like this is in my home. I'm, I'm sharing on behalf of Curtis's personal sharing. But I just think, what a beautiful picture. The king is coming. I'm going to prepare a way in my home. Make this a place where the way for the coming of our king is prepared. We are those who are living by faith, who are choosing in faith, who are awaiting and expecting, who aren't putting our hope in our circumstance, who aren't demanding the victory today, but who are eagerly awaiting the coming of our king here in this home, in this place, among these people. Oh, Jesus, might it be true? Might it be true? And I know there's a lot that sits in conflict to this. There's a lot that sits in conflict to this, but, but that's okay because he said it would. He said it would. He said that we were going to face some challenge. He said it was going to be a bit difficult to hold on. He said it might not feel good. He said it might not be easy. So it's, it's okay. We bring those things into subjection of an expectation that we can trust him and he's coming to finish everything he began. Oh, Jesus. Raise up faith in your people that we would participate in making a way for you. Let our lives serve that call. Let our hearts wait in expectation of our coming King. We thank you for the reminder that Christmas is that our King came and you are coming again. We believe. Raise up faith in your people to hold on to our expectation of that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Well.
Let's talk about it. The king's coming. What do we think? What do we feel about it? He's calling the people to stand in faith and be ready, to be ready, to be expecting, to believe, to have tools in place where he comes that confirm the king is here. The king has come. I want to be there. I want to be a part of that testifying, spirit-filled people of God who honor the king in his coming. Yeah. Anyway, all right. I'm not sure what the question is. What does it mean to you? What, do, what does it mean to you that the king is coming? <laughs> and how can you be ready? <clears throat> Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> all right, let's jump into fours or fives. Have a bit of a chat about this. Let's let it be, let's, let's bring it close, you know? Come on, let's bring this close. Let's let it get practical and real. What's this, what's this, what's this call my life to this week, you know? What, what changes does this demand of my mindset or my living or anyway? All right, let's jump into groups and have a chat. Yeah, well, I trust your conversations were, you know, encouraging. Because I think this is encouraging. I think there's, I think we, we can't give fear this story, you know. We've got to give faith this story. We've got to give expectation this story, you know. And I think, uh, you know, I was saying this at the end of our group that, you know, no matter whether this is, in my lifetime or not, that this occurs, I think there's something helpful to me in expecting his coming. There's something generative to me to expect his return. You know, to, to live in a place that expects that the king is coming, is going to afford my faith and formation something that's essential. Because he's commanded us to live this way. He's commanded us to live, to eagerly await and expect it. And in partnering with that, something good comes to me and through me and this preparedness, you know. Forget about whether you're a person who believes this is two weeks away or 200 years or 2,000 years away. It's like it serves our faith in him to expect and await eagerly his coming. The king is coming. And that's just good news. Anything that says that's a day to fear, it's a, that's a lie. That's a story that needs to be put to death because we have a king who's coming for us. What a good news story. And I feel like, I feel like to be reminded in this Christmas story that not only has he come, but to celebrate the gift of God is coming to finish this work and redeem his people as he promised. Uh, it's, just, yeah, it's, it's messing with me, so, yeah. I love it. Hmm. I just, I just, I was just sharing with my group um, about Because we were talking about, yeah, some of the, I think, I think sometimes some of the fear that comes in the, he's coming, you know, because if we're real honest too, there's a, there's like the king is coming. It's like, oh, you know, there's, there's a lot of good things, but a lot in our, in our, even in our theology, there's a lot of like, oh, um, 
there's judgment that comes in in the end, you know, and so we we're very aware of that, and and some of us have deeper wounds in in that realm, or have heard that message much more strong than the than the one like Brad's sharing today, which is which I'm just really grateful for. Yeah, I'm really grateful for because it um, it comes against the fear, um, um, and I think you know, Leon, you were talking about you know knowing people that don't know the Lord, and I think um, there's an okay uh, urgency and fear, you know, that exists there because they won't know Him, and um, they'll be looking at something very different, apparently, according to Scripture, but. But um, what I thought was so cool in this, what Brad's leading us towards, I, I was um, uh, just just reminded of a verse in my head, and I went to First John 3. It says, See what incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us that we would be permitted to be named and called and counted as the children of God, and so we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, we are, even here and now, children of God. And it is not yet clear what we will be later after his coming. We know that when he comes and he is revealed, we will, as his children, be like him because we will see him just as he is in all his glory. I just, I, that's a real profound statement. We are, it's not yet clear what we will be after his coming. But we know that when he comes and is revealed, we as his children will be like him because we will see him as he is in all his glory. And everyone, and I've never read this verse before. I just, I've never, it's never stood out to me in verse three. And everyone who has this hope confidently placed in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who puts their hope in this truth, that we are his children, that we will see him as he is. This is the longing, our desire, our, our, our reaffirming, I am the child of God. I am God's. I can know him in the everyday, in the mundane. I'm not quite sure what it's going to look like when he comes for, me, for us, but I know that I'm his child and I can know him. This is the hope that then purifies us. It's like what makes us holy. He goes on to talk about everyone who practices sin is not holy. And we get really caught up in this loop of like, oh, I got to be better, do better, work harder at it. And he, he says right here at the start, he says, you are not purified by trying harder. You're purified by placing your hope in the one who is holy and pure and calls you son and daughter. I just love that. just mirrors what uh, a lot of what Brad is talking about but again he talks about the coming as a little bit more like um, there's like the like the heavens are gonna uh, open up the, the coming of God is like a consuming you know fire and it's it's very it's very intense like but I love I never read it quite like this either uh, in the message I'll just read it to you because it's it reads, Second uh, Peter 3, Since everything here today might well be gone tomorrow, do you see how essential it is to live a holy life? And do you remember how we live a holy life? Right? We put our hope confidently that we are children of God. Right? That we can experience Him and know Him. 
So do you see how essential it is to live a holy life? Daily expect the day of God, eager for its arrival. The galaxies will burn up. This is the woo. The galaxies will burn up and the elements melt down that day. But we will hardly notice. We'll be looking the other way, ready for the promised new heavens and the promised new earth, all landscaped with righteousness. And I just thought, oh, man, how powerful is that? We will be those who know him, and we will see him as he is. And we won't, yes, there is, there is the bigness of that day that we don't fully understand. But I want to know him. I want to be with him. I want to recognize him. I want to see him. Yeah. I think this plays out in micro ways in our world today. There is, the world is melting down in all sorts of ways. But he is real. He is alive. He is active. He is patient. Yeah, and our salvation is coming because he's patient. And there's salvation coming to more of us because he's patient. He's waiting. He's waiting that more and all would know him and understand him. Will we be those counted among it? I, I want to be. For risking almost a, a foolish repetitiveness. <laughs> do you, do, does it feel good contrary feedback? I just, I felt moved by your uh, relentless desire that we would catch the whole point of your message this morning and not miss it. All right, let's worship him.